Hello everyone and welcome to CF Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmami.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Omar. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I came that they may have life and have it what? Abundantly. Abundantly. Amen. That is the word of the Lord. You can go and take a seat. And so let me just stop right there and let me set up the teaching by sharing a quick story with you. Uh, because to begin with, my wife's favorite uh, season of the year has to be Christmas, Christmas. I mean, who, who doesn't love Christmas, right? And uh, she not only loves it because of the decorations and the family gatherings and Noche Buena, right? We all love Noche Buena. But she specifically loves Christmas because of Christmas movies, right? Christmas movies. In fact, the moment that October 1st hits around, every single time I come home, there's a Christmas movie on TV every single time. And so she loves those Christmas movies. And, and so we're really well acquainted with, with, those, with those movies. But there is no greater Christmas movie than It's a Wonderful Life, right? In fact, how many of you have seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life? Wow, way more than I thought. Well, listen, if you have not seen it, I want to encourage you to grab some friends and some family and watch it. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. And that uh, you'll really enjoy it. But, uh, you know, this whole series is going to be based off of that movie. And so the more familiar you are with that movie, the, the more I believe you will be able to receive and connect with the messages. So be sure to watch it. But if you have not seen it, let me just give you the quick, a quick overview or the, you know, the quick skinny on that movie. Because the, the main character of this film is George Bailey. We have a picture of him right there. Handsome guy, right? And uh, George Bailey in the movie, he is searching for the wonderful life. And he lives in a small little town called Bedford Falls in New York. And ever since he was a little boy, he always dreamed of leaving that little town of Bedford Falls and to go and travel and explore the world. It was something that just intrigued him to be able to, to visit different cultures and learn. In fact, early in the movie, there's a scene where he's busy at work, and there's a little girl named Mary who likes him, and she comes into the shop and starts a little dialogue with him, and even at that scene, he's already sharing with her that he wants to be part of the National Geographic Explorer Society and travel the entire world pursuing the wonderful life. In fact, take a look at this clip. I'll take chocolate. With coconuts? I don't like coconuts. You don't like coconuts? Say, Brainless, don't you know where coconuts come from? Look at here. From Tahiti, the Fiji Islands, the Coral Sea. A new magazine. I never saw it before. Of course you never. Only us explorers can get it. I've been nominated for membership in the National Geographic Society. Keep <laughs> seeing, right? And folks, as, as George Bailey grew up to be a man, listen, that dream never left him. 
In fact, if you fast forward to the middle of that movie, there is a scene where he runs into that same little girl. Now she's not a little girl anymore. She's a beautiful young woman who he's now attracted to and he's trying to pursue. And so he takes her out on a night stroll and they're walking and he begins to share again his dream of being able to travel the world, leave that little town behind and travel the world. In fact, take a look at this scene. What'd you wish, George? Well, not just one wish, a whole hat full. Mary, I know what I'm gonna do tomorrow and the next day and next year and a year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm gonna see the world. Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know. And then I'm gonna build things. I'm gonna build airfields. I'm gonna build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm gonna build bridges a mile long. Well, you gonna throw a rock? Hey, that's pretty good. What'd you wish, Mary? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? That's a famous scene from that movie. Well, let me just bring that whole scene, that whole part of that movie over to our teaching for today. Because the reason that I believe that this movie has connected with so many people throughout the decades is because there's a little bit of a George Bailey inside each and every one of us. See, you and me are no different than him. We are also pursuing that wonderful life. And there is something in this world that is promising you and is promising me a wonderful life. And if we only could achieve that one thing, if we can only obtain that one thing, then, then we will be able to live that wonderful life. See, for George Bailey, what promised that to him was traveling and, and exploring different cultures. But what is it for you? What is this, what's promising that wonderful life? That if your mind and your mind, if you can only achieve that one thing, if you can just obtain that one thing, there you'll live that wonderful life. Maybe a relationship, a job, stability somewhere. Health, perhaps? What is that one thing? And truth be known, all of us, we spend every day of our lives pursuing that one thing, searching for that wonderful life. But here's what I want us to understand this weekend as we start this new series. Only God can give you that wonderful life. And not only that, he wants to give you that wonderful life. In fact, the big idea for this weekend is this. God desires that you experience that wonderful life that he's offering to you. Now, you may be sitting there and you may be wondering, well, pastor, I cannot understand that God wants the best for me and he wants that wonderful life for me, but what are the steps that I have to take in order to achieve that, in order to obtain that life? Well, we're going to find out from John chapter 10, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10. You can also follow along on your listening guides. In fact, can we just wave those listening guides at all campuses? Yeah, we are note-taking church. I always love seeing all those, all those sheets flat in the air. But with that in mind, I have two thoughts for us today on how you can experience a wonderful life. And here is point number one. To live a wonderful life, do not believe the lies of the enemy. To live a wonderful life, do not believe the lies of the enemy. 
You know, in John chapter 10, Jesus is addressing a group of people who are not antagonistic about the things of God, but rather they're very open to the things of God. They're, they're, they're open and they're used to talking about God just like all of us are here. But unfortunately for them, they had not yet experienced a wonderful life. And so in that context, listen to what our Lord tells these people in John chapter 10, verse 10. It says this, the what? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. In fact, in your hand, I'll circle the word thief. Circle the word thief. Because the Bible refers to our enemy, Satan, in many different ways, right? He, a roaring lion, uh, the accuser of the brethren. But in this specific text, the Lord uses a very graphic term, and he calls him a thief. And the reason is, is because his main objective in your life and in my life is to steal from us the life that God wants to give us, that abundant life, that, that, that wonderful life. And you may be wondering, well, pastor, how does he do that? Well, the primary way that the enemy keeps us from experiencing that life is through deception through deception. In fact, if you're taking no small letter A, listen, his lies are deceptive. His lies are deceptive. Now, the moment that some of us hear, right, that the enemy's out to, to deceive us, here's what some of us may think as we're listening. Now, Pastor, thank you so much for sharing. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're sharing this, talking on this, because I know there's a lot of people around me that probably need to hear this, but you don't need to worry about me. Listen, I've been walking with the Lord for quite some time. I'm a mature believer, so I could easily decipher what's from God and what's from the enemy. So listen, just, just don't worry about me. Listen, I'm good, but, but listen, I'm glad you're sharing and so somewhere along, the, along the, the way, we start, some of us may start seeing our enemy almost as if he was a bad fisherman trying to catch some fish. Let me explain. You know, last year, me and, and my wife and some friends of ours, we went over to the west coast of Florida. It was a small, we rented a small little home just south of Sarasota, super in this place called Palm Island, really relaxing place. In fact, I have a picture of the, of the house we rented. That's it. And uh, when we got there, we, we thought it was such a nice, cute little house. We went inside. And in the back, there's actually a deck where you can kayak and fish. And so that was like a really cool aspect of the home. We always enjoyed it out there. But the coolest part was that at night, when you turn on the deck lights and you would go up to the back, there's a green light underwater that attracts some humongous fish. I mean, just, that's the picture right there. Some humongous fish. I mean, they were like two or three feet long. And so the moment that I saw these fish in the water, you can imagine my eyes just lit up. So then I went inside and said, hey babe, listen, hey, get the frying pan ready because we are going to eat some good fish, right? And so I went, there, there was a, a closet there that had a, a fishing line, so I got the fishing line, and then I got a tackle box, and I went to the back. And so I was out there, and I just figured, let me just get any random lure. It doesn't really matter anyway. So I got a little random lure, I put it in there, and they were there, so I was super excited. 
and I tossed the lure into the water. And folks, I got into one of those stands in case, you know, it, it, they take me in, so I'm ready to go. And the moment I threw it in there, listen, folks, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting them to go crazy over it. But to my surprise, they didn't even flinch a muscle. I mean, they just stood still. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I have to shake it. Maybe I have to, like, you know, you know make it alive, you know, and make it bounce a little. But, folks, they were not phased. So I'm like, you know, that's odd. All right, well, you know, let me just bring it back in. And I got a lure. And this doesn't work. Well, let me just get any, any other random lure. It doesn't matter. And so I, I went back at it. I tossed it in. There you go. And I'm ready. And nothing. Again, and I started shaking a little bit. There we go. I started shaking it. But no, the fish, I mean, they, they, they would not care. So you know what? I'm like, you know what? Let me bring this back in. I tried another lure. Same thing. Didn't work. So I'm like, you know what? We need to do this Hialeah style. Let's get some Cuban bread. Let's get some Cuban bread. There we go. And I'm tossing this piece of Cuban bread in the water. And I'm ready, man, these fish are going to love it. You know, from the West Coast, they, they want some Cuban food. So, and sure enough, folks, nothing. It was almost like the fish were like laughing at me. So I'm like, I got frustrated. And, you know, mosquitoes are like eating me alive. So I'm like, forget this. You know, I got, I bought it back. And, you know, I put the, the Cuban bread back in the tackle box. And I went back inside. I didn't try that anymore. But after I went back to Miami, I started doing a little research, and I quickly found out that what makes a good fisherman a good fisherman is not the clothes he wears, and it's not the boat he drives, but what makes a good fisherman a good fisherman is what lure he uses. You see, because each fish is so unique and so different and likes different things, the key is to get to, to pick the lure, to know how to pick the lure, the best matches that fish. In fact, the goal of fishing is to get the, a, a lure that's so good that they can't even tell it's a lure from the fishermen. And folks, listen, that's exactly the way the enemy works with us. Listen, he knows you so well. He knows what stage of life you're in, what point of your life. He knows everything about you, and he's going to pick that specific lure that best fits for you, that best fits for you. In fact, listen to what Richard Baxter, the, the great Puritan writer, listen to what he said about how the enemy tries to deceive us. Listen to what he says. He says, you shall neither see hook nor line much less the subtle angler, the fisherman himself, while he is offering you his bait. And his bait shall be so fitted to your temper and to your disposition that he will be sure to find advantages within you and make your own principles and inclinations to betray you. Folks, what a powerful thought that is. Because the enemy is so deceitful and so tactful that he knows exactly what lure to use for you. He knows what critical moment you're in your life. He knows what you're thinking. He knows everything about you. So he knows which lure he needs to use on you. 
You know, for the, for the people that were looking at this text, right, they were in a culture where they expected a lot of religious works, a lot of religious rituals. And so the, the, the lure for the people at that time was dead religious acts. That was the lure that the enemy, you know, used on them. And folks, they were falling hook, line, and sinker. But the question is, what is it for you? What is the lure? You know, maybe it's not dead religious works. Maybe that's not what, what gets you. But maybe you're in a tough season in your marriage. And instead of being loving and understanding and honoring your spouse and respecting them, the way you, the lure for you is to fight fire with fire. You know, they take a jab at me, I'm going to take a jab at them. And you know, they're going to insult me, I'm going to insult them. They're going to scream at me, I'm going to scream at them. So that's maybe the lure for you. Or maybe you're not getting the affection that you need from your spouse. So then at work, there's this coworker or an old friend that comes along. And he starts a little small talk with you. Or starts sending you text messages or messages on Facebook. So maybe that's the lure that he uses for you. Maybe you're going through a season of loneliness. And you've been coming to Christ Fellowship for many years, and you've been patiently waiting for someone to come your way. But the truth of the matter is that that person has not come. And you're thinking, Pastor, listen, I got needs. I got needs. And so therefore, you meet that person who's not a believer online, right? Or at a bar or wherever, at a party. And the lure is, you know, they're a good person. You know, they went to church when they were a little kid. You know, they, they, don't, they don't have a problem with me going to church. So maybe that's the lure that he uses on you. Maybe right now you are just experiencing hurt because someone hurt you or there's a appointment, someone betrayed you perhaps. And instead of forgiving them and, and just moving past that, maybe the lure for you right now is just unforgiveness, right? Unforgiveness and bitterness. And you think that if you hold on and you don't forgive them and you don't talk to them, that someone, you know, not giving them the satisfaction of being forgiven, you feel that you're getting ahead and that you're in the right. So maybe for you it's unforgiveness and that's the lure. But folks, those are just three examples. Make no mistake about it, whatever situation you're in, whatever stage of life you're in, his lure is going to be perfectly for you and where you're at. You know, in a good way that you can kind of tell whether or not you've been deceived by the enemy, you're falling into his trap, here's a good way. Ask yourself this question. What area in my life do I get really defensive about when someone brings it up? And you know what I'm talking about. Maybe a, a coworker, a friend, a spouse, a child, 
Maybe they bring up something to you that they're seeing in your life that's, that's not according to God's word. And at that moment, what do we do at times, right? We, 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 we raise our voice, right? We raise our voice, we put up a wall, we, we keep them arm's length, not to get too close to us, and then we start justifying what we're doing. Oh, you don't understand what's going on in my life, and you don't know who they are. How dare you judge them like that? And so oftentimes, a good way for us to, to determine whether or not we've been, taking, we've been deceived by the enemy is those areas in our life that we get really defensive about. And that's an indicator that the enemy has wrapped you around his fingers to the point that you're trying to justify what you're doing. But listen, whatever the case may be, listen, here's what we need to know. He is slowly but surely destroying that area in your life. In fact, if you're taking notes, listen, small letter A, his lies lead to a destructful life. His, lie, his lies lead to a destructful life. In fact, listen to what the passage says in John 10. There we go. It says, the thief, right, we already talked about how, how he's trying to steal the wonderful life. He comes only to steal and kill, and what's that word? Destroy. Destroy. Listen, every, make no mistake about it, whatever area that is, he's coming and trying to destroy that specific area in your life. And that is why God does not want us to be unaware, not only of the enemy's tactics and deception, but his end goal in your life, which is to destroy that specific area in your life. And so with every single jab, with every single insult you hurl back at your spouse, you're destroying the love and the trust in your marriage. With every single text that you send back to that person, to that old friend, listen, you're destroying your God-given marriage. Every single time you go way too far with that person that you know you should not be with, guess what? You're destroying your God-given purity. And every single day that you hold back an unforgiveness and you hold that bitterness in, guess what? He is destroying your ability not only to experience God's forgiveness, but the peace that comes along with that. Amen, family? And so, folks, make no mistake about it. Whatever it is, listen, he is destroying whatever air in your life he's deceiving you in. So the question is, so, pastor, how do we find the wonderful life? Well, listen, if you're taking notes, big number two. To live a wonderful life, believe the promises of Christ. To live the wonderful life, you must believe the promise of Christ. In fact, let's look at the second half of that verse. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came, right, Jesus came, that they may have what? Life and have it what? Abundantly. Folks, I love that because our Lord is telling us here that he's not only coming just to give you life, but the abundant life. In fact, circle the word abundantly right there in your handout or in your Bibles. Because the word abundant in the original Greek text, we know that the Bible was first written in Greek and Hebrew, and then translated into different languages. Well, the word here for, the, for, for abundant 
is the word parisos, parisos. And that word pretty much has a notion of without lack and fullness. And so the reason that I really believe that Jesus goes above and beyond to not only say that he gave us life, but abundant life, is because somewhere along the line, we tend to think that if we believe the promises of Christ and obey the Lord in that specific area, then sure, we will be okay with him. Yeah, we will be in good standing with him. But you know what? We're not going to find that joy that that we really want. But family, listen, that is not the image that our Lord wants us to have of him. You know, what's interesting is that in Scripture, we see that he, he labels the enemy a thief. But when it comes to him, he gives himself, he gives himself the title of the good shepherd who wants to guide us. In fact, listen to the, next, to the very next verse. It says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then he says, I am the what? The good shepherd. And folks, I love that. I don't know about you. I know that he's our heavenly father. He's our savior. But, you know, this image of, you know, the, this, this name of the good shepherd, is just, it's just always has a special place in my heart. You know, whenever I go visit my, my dad in Cyprus, it's a, it's a small little island in the Mediterranean, and I, always see, I only see him once a year, so I always go and, and take a trip to see him. One of my favorite things to do while I am there, all right, is to drive up the, the, the countryside all the way to the tip of the island. And folks, what's amazing is that as we're taking a drive through there, there's always a lot of sheep crossing the street. There's always a lot of sheep, just like that's, that's a picture right there. Just a lot of sheep just crossing the street. You know, in Cyprus, you know, there's a lot of plains, which they get really, really dry in the summer. And so the shepherds are always kind of leading the sheep towards the hills where there's just, there's just greener, greener pastures. And so you see them you know, with their bells, and they're, and they're leading their sheep. And folks, what an image, what a beautiful image of how the Lord leads us, doesn't he? Because the Lord doesn't force us to obey him. But rather gently, he's just trying to guide us and he's leading us to the place where we can live a wonderful life. And you know, the the way that he does it, the way that he, he does it for us is simply through his promises. The way that he guides us, his people, is his promise, right? It's almost like the good shepherd, right? just giving us his good promises, and we're following him and obeying him, right? He's giving us his promises, and he's leading us to the place that we want to go. Some of you may be thinking, well, where do we find his promises? You know, is it in billboards, on the internet? Listen, it's very simple, right? His promises are in his word. And so listen, if you want to be led by the good shepherd... Listen, when you open up his word and you read his promises, you see his promises and you follow and obey. You see his promises and you trust and obey. You, fo- you see his promises and you let him lead us in the way that we should go. And so that is why it's so important for you and I, as much as we can throughout the week, to read his word. Don't let anything substitute you getting face to face with the words of the Almighty God. 
because in this word is where his promises are and where his promises will lead us to that wonderful life. Amen, family? And so it's so important that we treasure God's word and that we read God's word. And folks, as he guides us, here's what we need to keep in mind. As we read his promises and his word, we need to remember that his promises are trustworthy, are trustworthy. In fact, if you're taking notes, his promises are trustworthy. And family, I say that, the reason I have you write that out is because oftentimes the things that the Lord is asking us to do is not the easy thing, right? Oftentimes the deception of the enemy is whatever is easier and following the Lord and obeying him is oftentimes the hardest thing to do. But if we don't understand, if we don't think that his promises are trustworthy, then we're not going to want to follow him. But if we know that if we follow him and we trust him, that he will hold his end of the bargain, then we're going to naturally want to walk right behind him and trust him and, and want to hear from him. And listen, as we trust our good shepherd and we're walking with him, you know what starts to happen? All those areas that you know that the enemy has started to destroy in your life, to bring down all those walls little by little in your family, in your relationships, in your personal life, in your purity, in your addictions, at work, in your finances. When we start following the good shepherd and trusting his trustworthy promises, he has a tendency to start rebuilding those, those areas in your life. Amen? But listen, you cannot expect the, our Lord to rebuild those areas in your life if you don't trust him and if you don't follow in obedience. And when we see him starting to rebuild those areas in our life, here's what happens. In small letter B, his promises will lead you to a wonderful life, a wonderful life. You know, as a child of God, in my own life and in the life I've seen the life of others, every single time that I see the Lord work, doesn't your heart just begin to be filled with wonder when you see his power, his faithfulness over your life? And the more you start seeing things being rebuilt, listen, our hearts, our souls will just be filled with wonder as we follow the good shepherd. And so let me end with this. You know, one of the things I really like about this chapter, John chapter 10, is not only that it discusses the abundant life and the fact that Jesus is our good shepherd, but it also describes how his sheep, you and I, his, his, his children, listen to his voice and follow him. In fact, listen to what it says in verse 3 of that very same chapter. It says, the sheep, right, you and I believers, children of God, they hear his what? His voice. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow. But they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of what? Of strangers. You know, one of the most fascinating things about sheep, 
is that they have developed a very keen sense of hearing. You know, in fact, one of the things that they're really famous for is that they can easily detect the voice of a stranger from the voice of their shepherd. And the reason that they've developed this ability is because they know their shepherd cares for them, loves them, protects them, and is leading them to where they want to go. And so because of that, they're really, really good at ignoring the voice of strangers and listening to the voice of their shepherd. In fact, take a look at this video. One more time. And so here's the question that I have for you in this Christmas season. Whose voice are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the voice of a stranger who wants to destroy your life, who wants to harm you? Or do you want to listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd, the one who loves you, he cares for you, protects you and he's leading you to that wonderful life who whose voice will you listen to today his bar heads for prayer father God we are so grateful that you are a God who is our good amazing shepherd that father when the enemy sees us going through a tough season in our life, a critical moment in our life, Lord, we know that the enemy is out to get us, to deceive us, to destroy our life. But Father, you are a good shepherd. And you, know, you know us, Lord. We're your children. We're your sheep. And so, Father, my prayer for all of us here who are believers, who know you as Lord and Savior, my prayer, and Father, is that our ear would be attuned to your voice, Lord. And that we would always follow you, Lord. And the moment you call us, Lord, Father, we would run to you just like those sheep run to their shepherd.
that we would run and stay close to you, Lord, so that we can experience the wonderful life that you have in store for us. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to speak to some of us here today because I realize in a room this size, there's some people who may be here today that you've never come to know God as your good shepherd, as your savior. And all your life you've been almost like a sheep just roaming this world without direction, being deceived by the enemy with hurts and pains and you are ready to start following the good shepherd and he's calling you today. You may be wondering, well, pastor, that's me. You're, you're, you're saying, you're, that's me. I'm ready to take that step of faith. I'm ready to trust Christ as Savior. I'm ready to confess all my sins. I'm ready to commit. I'm ready to start walking with him. So how do I do that? Do I have to come to church every Sunday? I'm here. I'll, I'll come every Sunday. Or do I have to do some good works? I'll go feed the homeless. Or do I got to do a ritual? Do I, what do I have to do to start following this good shepherd? The Bible is very clear. It's not about what you do. It's not about your actions. It's simply about your faith in Christ. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not some, not most, but whosoever calls on him, the Lord promises to come and save and rescue and so if that's you I want to lead you through a prayer and it's not a poem it's not something we wrote here at CF or anything like that it's just me helping you pray to your Heavenly Father and it's almost like you the first time you ever heard the voice of, of your Heavenly Father of your Shepherd now you start running to him and so I want to help you pray so if you want to start a relationship with Christ today, if you want to trust Him as Lord and Savior, just pray this with me quietly to yourself. And don't pray this to me. I'm only a man. Listen, you pray to God who's listening right now. Father, for, so, for far too long, I've been journeying through this world, lost, and I've experienced what this world has to offer and it's nothing that I want but today I realize that you're the good shepherd you are the God who loves me and that wants a relationship with me so I come before you and I confess my sin all of my sin and today Lord I put my trust in you save me Lord today be my good shepherd and lead me every single day of my life until my days are done here on earth and I see you face to face. Save me today and be my good shepherd. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the wonderful life that I've been seeking. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know by filling out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. 
We want to thank you so much for joining us and God bless.